Thank you very much, Travis, for ministry and music. There's some things in life we don't plan. I think about three times in my life when I have been speaking in a public realm, I get a coughing spell and can't control it. And a couple of times just had to walk off the platform. So if I do that this morning, someone will pick up for a few minutes right where I was, exactly what I was going to say and go on. But I'll see how it goes. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for coming among us in Christ. Thank you that in Christ we have forgiveness. We're part of the body of Christ. We have your spirit living within us. You allow us to be sought, light, and ambassadors in our world. As we reflect on, I guess what I would call some basic things this morning, maybe not new, but in a way of reminder, we want to be open, sensitive, and responsive. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Imagine with me that you're in the airport. And you hear the call to board the plane. And as you board the plane, you find your row and you find your seat. And you sit down and you happen to be just behind the wing. And as you're sitting there, you glance out and you think, hmm, something wrong here. I know this type of plane and there's no engine on this wing. And just out of curiosity, you get up and you go to the other side and you look out the window and you think, well, there's an engine on that wing. And you notice that they give you plenty of seat room, plenty of space between seats. You know, you don't have to worry about that. And the cabin is very, very nice. And I guess it's going to be a very comfortable flight. But I have a concern. There's an engine missing. And you try to sit back and relax, but you're somewhat apprehensive. And the captain comes over to the intercom, you know, we're going to go for takeoff in a little while. And he says, oh, by the way, I just want you to know that we try to provide all the nice things inside of the cabin here for you. And in order to save some money, just want you to know that we're flying with one engine today. I would imagine that you might say, I got a gun, (laughs) you know, to get the plane not to fly. We would say the airline is stupid to neglect a basic such as an engine to take care of things on the inside. And I think occasionally along the way, we need reminders to keep the basics correct on target. As we begin another year, I don't necessarily think about New Year's resolutions, and I'm not where I'm coming from, but I want to take a little time this morning to remind us to keep the basics in place in our lives individually and as a church. My desire is for us to be what we're called to be as saints. 
24-7. If the basics are out of order, if the foundation is out of order, why continue? It's kind of like a dog chasing its tail. If I at times sound dogmatic and convinced, it's because I am convinced in light of study of Scripture. And again, this morning will be somewhat of an overview of Scripture. We'll be looking at some passages, not a specific passage in great detail. And I recognize also that I give an account as a shepherd, and I think it does us good at times to, again, just remember. Make sure the basics are in order. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus. And in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he deals with who saints are in Christ. 4, 5, and 6, he deals with how to live in light of who we are in Christ. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he deals more with our being. 4, 5, and 6, how that being is to be lived out day by day. In Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14, he's dealing with in Christ, what we have in Christ. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. And you also, that is the believers in Ephesus, were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance under the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. As he discusses the Ephesians as well as believers today being in Christ, as he discusses salvation, you want to say redemption, he says it's for the praise of His, God's glory. Let's go over to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We find that John sees what is taking place in heaven. And at the end of chapter 4, verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. In chapter 5, as Christ is able to take the book that has seven seals on it, in verse 13, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Whether it be a local church or whether it be individual believers, we have to begin with, continue with, and end with God's glory. It's God's glory. It's about Him. As we live, as we go to school, as we go to our jobs, as we relate as couples, as we relate as families, it's God's glory. It's not about us. It's about God and His glory. Let's go back to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. 
John is writing, according to the end of the book, is so that we might believe that Jesus is Christ, and in believing we might have life. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, John 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the Word, according to verse 12, we know is Christ. (coughs) along with verse 18. And verse 3 says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. As you look at John 1, you look at Hebrews 1, you look at Genesis 1, we, can, we want to be concerned about God's glory. We want to be concerned about God as creator and his image and living out his image. Let's go over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And again, I realize we're going to a variety of passages. But in Colossians 1, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And they were being lured away by false doctrine. They had heard about Christ. They come to faith in Christ. <coughs> but apparently some teaching came along and said that Christ is one among many. Christ is one among many beings that you use to get to God. And Paul writes a very strong letter and says, no, it's Christ. Look at chapter 1 and verse 15. He is the image, (coughs) excuse me, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is referring to Christ. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Paul's argument in Colossians is, it's Christ. It's Christ. And Christ alone. And that ties in with the correct gospel. If we're not careful, we become enamored with things other than Christ. Whether it be a building, whether it be a program, whether it be music, a worship style, a book, a author, We think if we have these, we'll do well. And Paul says so very, very strongly, it's Christ. And Christ alone. How would you respond if you came to church next Sunday morning? There was no piano. There was no organ. There was no sound system. We removed the pews. 
and you sat on the floor. We sang without any instruments as we focused on Christ. Paul was saying it's Christ. So you have no Christian radio. There's no Christian TV. You just have Christ. If we're not careful, we can become so enamored by the many trappings of Christianity that we miss Christ. Paul says it's Christ. Christ alone. There's no more Christian concerts. There's no more well-known speakers. It's just Christ. I'm not knocking all of those things, but it's Christ. And tied in with that, it's in Christ. That we have a relationship with God, with Christ, and with the Spirit of God. All that we have is because of being in Christ. In Ephesians 1, if you want to turn there, we read several verses before. We want to read some from the early part of the chapter of what we have in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Lord willing, we'll touch more on this passage next week, but praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him, or in Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, he had predestined us to be adopted as as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure, his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished in us with all wisdom and understanding. Day by day, constantly, in our lives, a focus on, I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ. It's Christ. It's not all the things that I do. It's not how often I attend church. It's not how much money I give. It's not how much Christian radio I listen to. It's not how often I witness Anything we have is because of being in Christ. It's in Christ that we have a relationship with God. We have acceptance before God. We have a relationship with Christ and with the Holy Spirit. So we get up tomorrow morning and we go to school, we go to our jobs, 
And we think, I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been adopted, I've been redeemed, I've been forgiven, and so on. I'm in Christ. It's all about Christ. It's His glory. It's God's glory. I'm in Christ. So central. But yet we're prone to measure ourselves by how well we live and how we respond. So someone says, did you read your Bible every day this week? I'm not opposed to reading the Bible. Read it. But that doesn't make you spiritual. How many times did you share Christ? How much did you give to the Lord? The central focus is in Christ. Responding day by day because of who we are in Christ. And then very closely related to God's glory, Creator God, Christ alone and in Christ. It's just the whole issue of relationships among believers. In Ephesians chapter 4, chapters 1, 2, and 3, he talks about our being. He talks about what we have in Christ. Then in chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's interesting that he begins how to live out being in Christ with relationships. You know, it is possible to believe correctly. It's possible to read your Bible every day. It's possible to give money to the church. It's possible to pray. It's possible to talk to others about Christ. But have terrible relationships. There's two men in my background. They both died no longer on earth. That I looked up to in terms of Bible knowledge. Being able to teach others. Students of Scripture faithfully gave to the Lord. But they were both proud men who were not gentle, were not patient with their families, and didn't bear with their mates. What's core? Not all that we do, but relationships. We're so very critical. And involved in the relationships among believers is just the whole issue of worship. See, coming together as worship is about God, His glory, as we worship together. It's not, about a what, I, it's not what I want or what you may want or the next person may want. It's God's glory as we collectively worship. And also in tied in with relationships are just the whole issue of one another's. caring for one another, praying for one another, and so on. And just being equipped to live day by day. You know, in your job, and your family life, the way you drive, and so on. And then the whole issue of intergenerational. A couple of weeks ago, when the choir was singing, I was thinking about the fact that there were several families represented in the choir. There were three generations involved. That's good. Because we tend to be very generational in our culture. 
And we have the little people, then we have the teenagers, and then we have the young adults, and then we have the middle-agers, and then we have the over-the-hillers. Now, if you can take all of them and worship together and not make it about any age group, but about God's glory and being in Christ, that's a testimony of relationships. Where you can have a teenager and a 90-year-old praising God with whatever that looks like for God's glory. Another basic, as we think about God and what He desires, is just the whole issue of pastor, a shepherd. In Titus, or I'm sorry, First Timothy chapter three. Just to listen as I read several verses. Here's a trustworthy saying: If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach and make sure he attends church every week and no, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. You will find that the qualifications of a pastor are character. Talking to a church recently where I was interacting with some men in the church and Some men on the board had asked me to come, you know, and see if I would talk to them and share a little with them, and I went willingly, and we were talking about a number of issues, and in the process of looking for a pastor, and I said to them, please, if you're looking for a pastor, go to where he lives. Talk to his extended family, talk to those he does business with, talk to people in his congregation, and ask him what kind of character he is. And I said, I'm asking you that because your history is not very good. You've had two pastors that blew it character-wise. Don't do it again. Don't worry about what school he graduated from. Don't worry about how much training he had. Don't worry about his big, nice resume. Look at his character. That's central. The shepherd can't lead sheep if his character is out of whack the way God wants. That means he needs to be character qualified. He needs to watch himself. What is he like as a person? So for someone to come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, what have you been doing with your mind? That's an order. Someone go up to Ruth Ann and say, Ruth Ann, what's this guy like at home? Is he the same as home as he is in public? No, what kind of character is, is he? Is he humble? Is he gentle? And so on. No, I've got to watch myself. I've got to protect myself. <clears throat> then watch the flock. Protect you. And then shepherd the flock. Teach, rebuke, correct, exhort. Very closely related to a pastor would be elders and deacons. excuse me, character qualified again. (coughs) Elders who watch themselves. Deacons who are servants. 
That's core. That's an absolute essential as it relates to church leadership. Another item very closely related an absolute essential is just the whole issue of the home. As long as we live, there's going to be family problems. <clears throat> we'll never get to the point where there are none. But at least moving in the correct direction and pursuing that. Godly marriages. <clears throat> moving in that direction. Godly parents. At least moving in that direction. It's interesting. that God established a home in Genesis 1 and 2. Then in Genesis 3, we find the serpent came along, and what happened? We had some family conflict. It's also interesting that the first murder took place in the context of worship. Cain killed Abel, and it tied in with their worship of God. That created some family dynamics that were difficult. Absolute core, just being concerned about the home. Then another one that relates to absolute core core is relationships in the world. The job. I've had opportunity to talk to some unbelievers about Christ because of you and how you live on the job. You say, I just work. Don't say it that way. I just work. I have the privilege of working for God's glory as a mechanic, as a student, as a teacher, as a carpenter, or whatever else you may be doing for God's glory. Give an example. <clears throat> I delivered newspapers when I was in college. That doesn't take a lot of smarts. I get in my car, go pick up the newspapers, roll them up while I'm driving, put a rubber band around them, and throw them out the window. Or put them in the box. Most of mine just threw out the window. 700 and some every day. <clears throat> Sunday, there was a few more than that. Every day of the week. Lo and behold, my boss, Rusty Moon, was a non-believer. He was committed to alcohol. He just drank a lot. The only relationship I had with him was when he hired me, and then sometimes in the morning when I would pick up my papers, he would be there because I got there before he got there. I just delivered my newspapers. And after delivering for him a period of time, he said, uh, Dan, do you know anyone that wants to deliver newspapers? There's a route open. I said, yes. Me. I would like to add another route. He didn't seem too keen on the idea. He said, I don't know anyone else right now, but I'm willing. 
he checked around for a couple of weeks and he finally let me take that route. A few months down the road, <clears throat> a route next to that opened. He said, Pastor, or not Dan, not Pastor at that time, Dan, you know anyone that needs a paper route? I said, yeah, I do. I said, what I want to do is I want to drop the second route that I had and I want this other one because it's closer together, there's more papers, and I wouldn't have to drive as far. He said, okay, I'll let you do that. <clears throat> Maybe six months later, two routes downtown opened up between where I lived and where my routes were. And he said, Dan, you know anyone that's looking for some paper routes? I said, not really. So he checked around for a while and he couldn't find anyone. He says, do you know anyone? And I, I said, if you really need someone, I think I could do it on my way to my other routes. He said, no, that's not a good idea. A couple of weeks later, he still didn't have anyone. I said, I'm willing, if you're willing to let me. He said, yeah, I'll give you those two routes. And he said, let me tell you why. I've never called you out of bed. And I rarely get a complaint. To my knowledge, I was the only one that could talk to Rusty Moon about Christ because of how I worked. I say all that in way of encouragement. The way you work, your life day by day, where you spend most of your time is to be for God's glory. We relate to the world. We relate to the government. <clears throat> willingly or unwillingly. When I say willingly or unwillingly, we pay our taxes. I guess we do that unwillingly sometimes and so on. You know, that time's coming up again soon, isn't it? We relate to our neighbors. We relate to finances. But an absolute basic. We say, oh, we've got to come up with this program to reach unbelievers. How about just believers and their job and relating to the government, their neighbors, and their finances being godly? An absolute basic. We can illustrate <clears throat> what I've been saying with God's glory at the bottom. Creator God, Christ alone, in Christ, relationships among believers, pastors, elders, <clears throat> deacons, home, and relationships in the world. <coughs> Absolute basics. A church, the body of Christ can do a lot of things the absolute basics being in order. If they're neglected, do whatever else you want. We chase our tail. It's so easy I want more space in that airplane. Don't put the seats too close. Give us something decent to eat. 
and leave the engine off. The body of Christ has been tempted in that direction many times. Years ago when I was looking for a car, <clears throat> got out of high school and wanted to buy a hot Chevelle. It wasn't as hot as I wanted, but it was maroon. It had a black vinyl top. Didn't have a 350 engine, but it got me here and there. What would have my response been if I went and looked at the car at Regester's and he says, I got a nice maroon car here, <clears throat> you know, if you'd like to buy it. Black vinyl top, beautiful interior. I looked at the tires, they were good, you know, and I said, what kind of transmission is in it? And he told me, and I said, uh, can we open the hood and look at the engine? Maybe we shouldn't. I said, come on, we'll see the engine. He opens the hood. says, this car doesn't have an engine. You say, you don't make cars without engines. Well, let's not make churches without a passion for God's glory, creator God, Christ alone, in Christ, relationships among believers, godly leaders, <clears throat> a focus on the home, and a focus on relationships in the world. Those are the absolutes in light of Scripture. Anything else is fluff that maybe God may use, but it's not essential. You say, don't you care about unbelievers? Yes. As we seek to move in the direction and as an ongoing pattern of life, following the items that we have discussed, it seems like doors open up to share Christ. Evangelism falls into place. A couple final thoughts, some guiding principles. We want to live quiet lives. Therefore, we do not want to add empty activities to people's lives long term. Many unbelievers are living life with their tongue hanging out, trying to keep after life. And then we say, come to Christ. Now, if you come to Christ, you've got to make sure you read your Bible, you've got to make sure you pray, make sure you come to church, and make sure you do a host of other things. And they say, I'm already busy enough, I can't add anything to my life. Can you add Christ? No. We're introducing, presenting Christ as life. Not a host of activities. You say, aren't there some things that are good in the Christian life? Yeah. But we present Christ, not a host of things. We can be so busy doing good that we miss Christ. One of the greatest struggles for pastors is doing too much good and neglecting the best. <clears throat> 
I was looking at missionaries' annual evaluation yesterday morning. And I get done reading, none of our missionaries, it's one that I've known for a number of years. And I get done reading what he did. And I was really disappointed. He didn't say anything about his being. He didn't say anything about how God had been developing his character, his being. He didn't talk about delighting in God or desiring God or desiring Christ and the Spirit of God working in him. It was all these things he had done. If we're not careful, we become so consumed with all the doing that we miss I'm not saying don't read your Bible, don't pray. I'm not. That, you have to figure all that out. But Christianity is not a bunch of activity. It's a relationship. And that means we live whatever a quiet life is. I'm not trying to define that for you. Rather than adding activity to the lives of people. Seeking to equip people as we wrap it up just to be, to live well in their God-ordained calling. Relating to other believers in marriage, in parenting, children, jobs, school, neighbor, citizen in Christ, and so on. (coughs) Just living well in your calling. Just helping people to be what God has called them to be. that to be a reality, we need to come back time and time again to Christ, who is the church's one foundation. As we sing together, hymn 115, the church's one foundation. Travis? <laughs>